Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you realize you need uh, to leave something behind in order to move into what is new or next for you? I remember as a kid loving video games, and uh, just the edge of my memory can bring up the Atari, but man, ColecoVision was my thing. And man, I could just waste hours, if not days, on ColecoVision. And, you know, got to the point where it was just something I had to be, leave behind to be able to move forward into what's new and what's next. And a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? The kids are out of the house. I should have some more spare time. Let's try video games again. And I got this game, I think it was called Legend of Zelda. And it wasn't like 20 minutes went by. It was like two hours went by like that. And once again, it was like one of those turning points. Like, I need to stop. Uh, this is like going to like own way too much of my life. I obviously don't have enough self-control in this area. I just need to leave it behind. And there are times in life, if you want to move on to what's new and what's next, you have to leave other stuff behind. Sometimes that stuff is good. Video games are pretty fun. That's good. Sometimes there's things that are bad. When Denise and I were first dating, we had been together just a couple of months, and uh, it was an awkward situation where she found my stash of porn. Now, back in that day, there wasn't internet. It was magazines. And you know, as a teenager, you sort of had to like steal or get your magazines in some different ways, and she found that, and it was pretty clear. If I wanted to move on what's new and what's next into a relationship with Denise, there were some things that needed to be left behind. I mean, it didn't line up with being a follower of Jesus, but I wasn't moving to what's new and what's next without leaving something behind. And maybe you, maybe you just want to be an encourager. You want to be a person that uh, is full of joy. And you know that to do that, there's some stuff that needs to be left behind. Uh, that constant criticism, uh, complaining, or grumbling you just can't have it both ways. Something needs to be left behind to go into what is new or what's next. Or you've been following Jesus for a while and you've been reading Jesus. And there's some things that intrigue you. And it's his gentleness and his meekness and his kindness. And you know to move into that new and what's next that the Christ character that wants to be formed and cultivated in you. There's some things like pride and envy and anger that just need to be left behind. There needs to be a turning point in your life where you need to leave some things behind to move into the new. Reoccurring theme that we see throughout the New Testament is putting on love, putting on Christ's love. I mean, the importance, the foundation of love, like it is talked about over and over again. When Jesus is asked about, you know, what's the most important, what's the greatest commandment, he makes it all about love. Love your heavenly Father with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. And then there's questions like, well, how can you, like, measure, you know, like, how, like, somebody's growing spiritually? Well, it's all about love. And it's, uh, there's lots of good stuff that we could have in life, but, you know, well, what's the most important? And we read, well, it's, uh, it's love. Well, how will people know that I'm a disciple? How will people know that I'm a follower of Jesus? They'll know it by your love. Hey, hey, I really want to grow in my faith. I want to take that next step to mature and grow in discipleship. 
What's something foundational I need to really work on? It's love. And again and again, this theme of love comes up throughout the New Testament. And take a look at how Paul talks about this. In Romans 13, he says this, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. But these and other such commandments are all summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. He makes it once again all about love. I mean, 2,000 years ago, I mean, this was like so radical because, you know, following God, how you can measure a person of faith, uh, it was so all about this extensive and detailed list of do's and do nots. It was all about particulars. It was all about the details. I mean, and Jesus came and turned everything upside down. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, I mean, this just drove them crazy because this is not what they believed. This is not what they had been teaching. And Jesus turned the world upside down with this. And perhaps... You feel like this is crazy talk as well because you know what? Maybe you even grew up in the church or you've known somebody who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, but love was not a word that you would use to describe their life or their character. One of the things that Jesus came to accomplish during his time on earth was to course correct. Course correct a faith in God that had veered way off course and Jesus challenged and he changed the way people viewed and the way they interacted with God. And Jesus' disciples and his followers and the apostle Paul, and it continues on for 2,000 years. It's part of our mission to course correct, to show people how they can interact with God and how they can view their heavenly father accurately. And in his longest letter, In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, you know, all those do not things that you've heard about, all that do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not covet, says all that is really, it's all about love. Love's the foundation. And taking on Christ's love as a part of the spiritual growth process. To take on love and all that comes with it It also means that we have to cast off. But we need to leave behind the stuff that holds us back from fully living a life of love. It's a turning point. You you can't have it both ways. A turning point almost always involves giving something up, leaving something behind. Let's say um, you have a child. You adopt, you have a child. Does anything, do you need to leave anything behind? Yeah, I mean, free time gets left behind, right? Um, Sleep for a while gets left behind. Your house just might not be as neat or organized as what it once was. 
Suddenly, your locking cabinet's filled with chemicals. You're putting those little plastic things in electrical sockets. Things just change. It's a turning point in your life. And Paul makes this huge statement about the turning point of love in our lives. Paul says that love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Love fulfills all the other stuff. It's all about love. And that is so like Jesus. But it is so unlike the religious elite of his day. And minds are blown and people are drawn to Jesus because of his foundation of love. We're in this series when we're talking about building character in our lives and partnering with the Holy Spirit to allow him to build Christ's character in us. And a foundational piece of this whole new way of thinking is taking on that characteristic of love at the foundation, allowing it to define our lives. And Paul was urgent. Paul's urgent in his request. There's no time to waste. In verse 11, he continues on, he says this, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Time's running out. The Greeks used two different words for time. One would be chronos. You're familiar with that, right? Chronological, you might have had a watch that was like that, correct? It is sort of like day in, day out time. Seconds turn into minutes, minutes into hours, hours into days, days to months, months to years, and so on. You wake up, brush your teeth, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner, you go to sleep. Rinse and repeat. You wake up, you hopefully brush your teeth, you go to school. You come home, hopefully do your homework. You go to sleep. It's rinse and repeat. It is just that constant pace of time. That's the word chronos. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. That's not the word that Paul uses here. This is all about kairos. And kairos is is a turning point. Kairos is a measure of time. It's a turning point that must be pressed through to achieve its God-intended purpose. Kairos is a definitive, distinct moment in time, something that has to be seized. It's a critical moment in history in your life where the things change. They don't look the same anymore going forward. This measure of time, it's a turning point. God's up to something new in your life. He's taking you somewhere else. And so often to step into that new and what's next, you have to leave behind some stuff from the past. Kairos, it's a turning point. When you're headed in one direction and suddenly the course or the direction of your life changes something we step into, something we must seize and follow God through. Come on, there's many turning points in in your normal everyday life. All of us have kairos moments. You decide to try out for that sports team or for that musical or for that play. 
you have been offered a job offer. You're making a decision to say yes or to say no. You've been dating someone and you decide that it's time to say and ask the question or somebody's asked you the question. There's a proposal on the table. It's a turning point. It's a Kairos moment in your life. But man, there are so many Kairos moments in our spiritual lives as well. And did you catch what Paul implies in his letter? That way too many people are just sort of sleeping through these Kairos moments. They're missing it. They're not paying attention. He says it like this. Let's revisit that same verse. He says, wake up. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Wake up. Don't, Don't miss this. Pay attention. God is up to something in your life and in your world. Why do so many Jesus followers, why, why do we so often miss these kairos, these turning points in our life? Well, I think there's many reasons. We're, we're busy. We're like self-occupied. We don't really want or desire a change in our life because if we change something in our life, then we'd have to sort of admit that something was wrong or not ideal in our lives. Thinking other reasons is I was talking to one of you this past week. We were just sort of talking through what it means to follow Jesus as Savior versus following Jesus as Lord. Because there are a lot of people that they've come to understand what it means to know Jesus as their Savior. And for most people, that is all about a what. What Jesus has done for me. And often if we went on a short-change faith, and we think about Jesus the Savior, it's sort of like, I get my life now, and I get life for all of eternity. I get that promise. That's Jesus as Savior. But then there's a whole different level when you become, begin to understand and embrace Jesus as your King or Jesus as your Lord. And then it becomes a lot more of who. Who is Jesus in my life? And we get this image of kneeling before our Lord or our King. And it's no longer all about my life. It's about giving up my life. And we think about having Jesus as our Lord or our King. It is that ugly word that just sort of many of us recoil at. It's that word submission. We submit to Jesus, to his desire for his will in and through and around our life. It's a principle of he has headship over us. And when that transition happens, when you begin to grasp Jesus, not only as Savior, but Jesus as your Lord or as your King, man, it is a kairos moment in your life. Things just start to change. And that looks different for all of us. All of us have different stories. Uh, for my story, I uh, came to understand Jesus as Savior as a very like, young kid, still single digits. Went more than a decade, and I only knew Jesus as Savior. And it was in my college years where so much transformation was happening, and baptism, making that step, that was just such an incredibly life-changing experience for both Denise and I that we began to understand Jesus as our Lord, as our King, and giving our lives to him and following him. And man, what a Kairos moment. And our course, our future was dramatically changed 
just by that. Understanding a new authority structure. Maybe you're a little bit familiar. Somewhere in your head you can remember the story of Rip Van Winkle. The story was told of, you know, this just nice Dutch guy, just a little bit lazy, has a hard time making decisions. Early 1700s, and, and the pressures of life and the world around him, he, he just can't make decisions. He needs to get away. And he heads off into the Catskill Hills of New York, and he lays down for a nap, and he falls asleep for 20 years. And when he wakes up, the world around him is changed. Where he lives is no longer the territory of King George. There is now a president, George Washington. And he can't cope and he can't handle the changes. And he, he's still living underneath this like old dominion, old authority, old power. He can't grasp the new and what's next. For so many of us, it's like we need to wake up. There's a new and what's next that God has in store for you and has in store for me. If we just choose to follow him and to take on all that he has in store for us. I know change can be scary and submission, submitting your life to God. Man, that just might feel so incredibly un-American to you. But it so incredibly lines up with New Testament theology. Follow Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, your leader and your forgiver. And it produces these kairos, these turning points in our life, and there's so much good that we get to take on, but there is some stuff that we need to leave behind. And we all have turning points in our natural lives. We've already said that, right? You're excited when you graduate high school, but it's a turning point. Things are different. You're excited when you move out of your parents' house and get your own place. It's a turning point. Things are different. We can be excited when there's a change in our career. It's an adjustment. Things are different. But we have to leave some stuff behind. Right now, tomorrow, if we all decided, you know what, I'd like to go back to my high school. And you just show up tomorrow morning, see if the school still exists, walk back into your old classroom. What's going to happen None of us will be here next week because we're all going to be arrested. We had to leave some stuff behind. If you're like, oh, my words, I'm independent. I have my own place. I've moved out of my parents' home. But you still spend the majority of your time sleeping there, eating there. Have you really left it all behind, right? You can't go back. You can't fully embrace that new job or that new career and still go and hang out around your old workplace. There's some stuff you just need to leave behind. And that's the way that it is on our spiritual journey of following Jesus. God will change you. He'll grow you. He'll stretch you. He'll transform you. And there's always opportunities to just simply ignore God or say no to God, to sleep spiritually. But spiritual growth, Christ's character formed in us, partnering with the Holy Spirit to cultivate the characteristics of Christ's 
in our life, they happen when we say yes to God, when we choose to follow God. Dare I even say when we choose to submit to him and to his will in our life. And it's a turning point. It's a kairos moment. There's some stuff we need to embrace, and there's some stuff that we need to leave behind because it's holding us back. Paul continues. He says this. He says, so remove. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Remove, take off. Paul's simply saying, there's some stuff that it's defined your life. It's really been a part of who you are. But it doesn't look good on you. Those clothes don't fit anymore. It's time to take it off. It's time to leave it behind. Any of you um, into public stripping? Anybody just want to sort of acknowledge that, taking off your clothes in public? N- nobody, nobody. And maybe you have absolutely no experience with that, and that's a good thing. But one of my favorite stories to tell is simply I grew up in a family business. That family business was refuse and landfill. And what that means is I spent many days of my life on the back of a garbage truck. And you know, my summers uh, as a teenager, you know, you encounter some pretty nasty stuff. Sometimes you pull off that lid and the first thing you see are like maggots. And as much as I wish I could forget, uh, what I cannot forget, heavy trash can just trying to pull it up and over, and all those maggots just slid right down my shirt. Public stripping, I own it, right? I'm casting it off. I don't want any part of that. And that's where the urgency that Paul is giving us here, just take it off, strip down. It doesn't belong. It doesn't line up with being a Jesus father. It needs left behind. Simply put, it doesn't measure up to that level of Christ's love being displayed in you. Paul's saying, come on, you want to be a person of integrity. Paul's saying, come on, you don't want to be labeled a hypocrite. There's some characteristics and there's some actions that don't belong in my life, that don't belong in your life that don't line up with being a Jesus follower. We need to strip them off and just cast them to the side. They don't belong anymore. They don't belong anymore. It's time to kick them to the curb. It's time to leave them behind. And Paul moves on from the remove or take off to the put on. Put on. It's a, it's a time to, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to embracing our lives of who we are in Christ. It's a commitment to allow and partner with the Holy Spirit to have Christ's character formed 
in us. It's important because, man, our lives, we're like a living testimony for all to see. And when our lives are defined by love and by the characteristics of Christ, we draw people to our Heavenly Father and we draw people to Jesus. But when people see that dirty, yucky clothing that just doesn't belong anymore, it repels people. So Paul begins to wrap up and encouraging us to take on with these words. He says, instead, clothe yourself. Just put on the new stuff. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about taking off. It's about what we put on. It's about moving into that new and what's next that God has in store for us. And all those characteristics, all those characteristics of Christ, all those things that the Holy Spirit wants to form in you and form in me, they look a lot like love. They're things that Jesus would just love to form in us, right? Compassion, contentment, courage. He'd love for us to be encouragers, for us to have endurance, to have enthusiasm, for us to be forgiving, generous, to understand what gentleness is all about, to be grateful people, helpful people, humble people, joyful people, to be kind and loving and to figure out what meek looks like on you and on me and to be obedient and patient and to have self-control and to be thoughtful and to be trustful and to be understanding and to be unselfish and to be wise. And the list just goes on and on and on. Things that Christ would love to form in you. I mean, you put on those new clothes. I mean, man, it looks good on you. It looks good on you. We clothe ourselves in the characteristics of Christ. It's a Kairos moment. It's a turning point. This morning we're going to wrap up our time in just a lot of freedom for all of you. Just to process and be with your Heavenly Father to be praying. But there's a couple different options for you. And they look a lot like this. The one is this. You don't have to move at all. You don't even have to stand up if you don't want to. Just where you're at, maybe today is a day to just reflect, to pray, to join in with the worship team and just praising your Heavenly Father. But maybe there's something else. Maybe God's calling you for more. Maybe he's calling you to leave something behind. And that corner over there, that, that, that's the corner for you. Over that corner, you're going to find these little pieces of papers and markers, and there's even a stand you can put it on, but maybe there's something that God's asking you to leave behind. So, so maybe God's asking you to leave behind resentment. It just doesn't look good on you. It, it doesn't fit with being a follower of Jesus. You can put it on that stand or whatever you want to do, and it's just like it doesn't belong anymore. You leave it in the past. You leave it behind. Maybe there's stuff you're leaving behind, but there's also stuff that you're going to put on, and that corner over there is for you. 
There's just a characteristic that you would, that God would love to form in you. And maybe your mind already has some of those things, but they're going to be scrolling up on the screen as well. Just some characteristics of Christ. And, and it's not an exhaustive list. There's so many more things. And you can go over in that corner and you can write it down and you can post it up there. It's just going to be a beautiful collection of the things that we believe that Christ would love to form in us. And there's one more option. Maybe, you know, you want to do both of those, but you also want to do communion, or you only want to do communion in either of those. The day's freedom for you to move as you would like. Two different corners with our communion stations. Maybe you have fallen in love with a little to-go cups. They're going to be up there. But maybe you miss uh, the fresh baked bread, baked yesterday, I believe. Uh, They're going to be up there as well, and real grape juice. Just an opportunity to give thanks and remember what Christ has done for us. And to partake of communion here at Crossroads, you don't have to be a member. All we ask is that you are a follower of Jesus, that at some point in your life you have made a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, then communion is for you. Remembering the forgiveness of sin, the blessing of a new life, life in its fullest in the here and now for all of eternity. To be able to put on all that beautiful clothing, Christ's character's, characteristic in you and in me. So I'm going to pray, and then there's no rush, and then there's no pressure. When you're ready, and if God leads, you simply can get up and move to where you would like. The worship team will not wrap up until everybody is done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work that you desire to continue to do in us. And Father, we confess that, man, there are so many times that we need that call. We need somebody yell at us, just wake up already. We're, we're missing out. We're spiritually like dormant or asleep, and we're missing out on what you want to do in us and around us and through us. So today we receive from you. There, there's some new stuff that you want to form in us. There are some characteristics of Christ that you would love us to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow those things to be formed in us. So may we just own that and may we take that on and may we recognize that, yeah, it's going to be a kairos moment, it's going to be a churning moment, but boy, it's going to look good on us and it's a part of our testimony and it's on display for all to see. May we take that on. Father, we also recognize that there's some junk that needs to be left behind. Uh, There's some attitudes, there's some characteristic, there's some sin, there's some thought processes that they just don't belong. They don't look good on us. They don't line up with who you are or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's time to just tear it off, leave it behind. It's part of our past. It's not part of our present or part of our future. May we have the courage to own that and to take that step. Then, Father, as we enter to your communion table, may we take that time just to reflect, Holy Spirit, just like a searchlight in our life, man. There's some stuff in our lives that we need to get right, that we need to confess before you. Uh, We want to do that because we're walking up to those tables forgiven people, cleansed people, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
that you paid that ultimate price on the cross, that you defeated death three days later so that we could have life in its fullest for the here and now and for all of eternity. So we acknowledge you, Jesus, as our Savior. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as our Lord. You are the only one who deserves our praise, our worship. So right now in these moments to come, we do just that. We offer ourselves, our words, our actions, our movement to you. Holy Spirit, come, have your way. May your will be done in this room as your will is done in heaven. We pray this all in that strong, bold name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org. Thank you.